Welcome, avid listeners of Entrepreneurial Impact. Lend me your ears. Um, Love that. Avid listener. Avid listener. Yes. Right? We got a tribe going on here. We're on over episode 70 now, so I figured I'd open up with a little bit different to catch people's attention. So, yes, avid listeners, I want to say thank you for always turning into our podcast. It's been great. I think that we've evolved over the past 70 episodes and actually know what the heck we're doing now. Well, look, let's just let's celebrate that. 70 episodes. We should. We should. I don't know if that's more congratulations to us or the fact that we just won't give up no matter how bad we are. Well, you know, <laughs> we're failing our way forward one episode at a time, right? Um, we've grown. My listeners have grown, hopefully. Like, they're still tuning in to us. And I know that, like, from where we started over a year ago now to the idea of, hey, we've got something to say. How do we say it? Who do we say it to? To where we are now? Yeah. I mean, at least I'm really proud that I know that we have at least one more listener than my mother. Like, I know that my mom turns in and make me feel good about it, but I think we've got more people it's than better, just my mother. I don't, I don't know if my parents are, are, are diving into my podcast. I'm going to have to find out and look at the metrics on that one. Uh, well, anyway, I just want to say thanks to everybody tuning in and going through this journey with Dave and I. It's been really cool just to, one, have an experience and be able to share some thoughts and just, you know, get things out of my crazy head. And most people would probably be, you know, locked up and put in a straight jacket if they had to deal with my mindset. But um, on a positive note, I think it's been actually really cool to tell stories, interview different peoples and their different experiences and to share that out in a forum um, that really helps people align with, you know, everyone going through the same type of struggle and we can, we're stronger together through that. Well, I, I, you know, I'm going to reflect for a minute. No, I'm going to think about it. I think about all the covers of the 70, you know, we've probably done 45 different interviews with different people. I don't know what the actual number is, but some really some things that have stood out, right? And we had somebody smuggle supplies across the border in the ambulance into Ukraine. We had somebody escape war-torn Bosnia and become an incredible entrepreneur and leader in our region. We have, have had associates and agents that are going in to other countries and building wells and, and feeding the homeless. And like, there's some amazing people out there. We've been really been blessed to have them join us and allow us to help share their story. Yeah, so, I mean, when you think about those like examples you gave, it kind of just causes a humble, humble feeling, at least in my heart, around the fact that we've got a lot of people that are out there doing some really impactful things. We don't even know that they're doing it, and luckily we have the platform on this podcast to be able to share some of that outward to the people that choose to listen. Thanks, mom. <laughs> um, so let's let's dive into this one. I think yeah, we've got a great impact. We we're able to tell stories as we're in a people business, and I think people are the, the most fascinating parts of business. You're the biggest liability, but the biggest asset, and um, let's talk through this one. So we had the pleasure as a, as a team that I know Dave um, volunteered for this, or maybe I just kind of instructed him you're going to do this no matter what, ah. is uh, reading the book Fix This Next. Yes. And, um, you know, I think, let's be clear, a lot of books are rip off and duplicate or they reframe something. And what I found in Fix This Next was it wasn't a new concept. It was just framed differently in different words. And yeah. The real takeaway that I had from Fix This Next was the idea behind working on your business and working in your business. And I think we start with working in your business because it's a little bit more micro and everybody that's listening today can actually take something away from the working in your business concept from Fix This Next um, and then working on your business. And I think the we start with in because it's a little bit more tactical and the on it gets a little bit cerebral, but it also kind of gives you a North Star of like what you're working towards. Uh, so let's start there. Let's talk about the thing that they come out with, Dave, is OMEN. That's the acronym for working in your business. What comes to mind when I say OMEN? 
What's going to happen to me? What's destined for me? So it's it's a the reason I start with that is I was talking to somebody else um, in my business ventures, and I used this an acronym, and I said Omen, and the immediate thing that they went to was negative, which was fascinating to me because when I hear Omen, I'm like, that's positive. I think positive, right? Like I I grew up in Catholic school, so yes, I know what Irish guilt <laughs> is and Catholic you know uh, raisings and standards and strictness and you know the. the, the Fiery brimstone that can be around there. And I, there probably doesn't hurt that there was probably, I think there was a movie somewhere around and around Omen yes. that is a, you know, a really Catholic negative context yes. to yeah. it, right? Which is funny because I've seen that movie Omen, but I, when I look at Omen, I think positive. And maybe that's just because I've taken on this journey of like uh, making sure that you stay positive because, you know, you can yin and yang every every situation can be perceived negatively or positively so which one are you going to do right? well there and you know, to steal from one of our previous episodes but that's the storytelling aspect of how the emotion can play in your yeah. mind and the residual effects of what you've experienced is exactly what we're talking around around moment and we have a predetermined set of criteria based off of something we experienced and emotionally was towards the negative or scary yeah so let, let's let's break down omen i thought this was really insightful very simple but very insightful that when you're working in your business, you have certain outcomes that you need to get to. Certain, let's call them goals, right? And so we have working in your businesses. I look at it as like your nuts, bolts. Like you're getting your hands dirty. You got grease up your sleeves. Like you're 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 in it, right? You're you're making stuff happen. And in that, the omen was what was simplistic and so easy about this acronym is it's like the omen that if you get your goal, your omen's going to be positive. If you don't get to your goal, the omen's going to be negative. So when you follow an acronym of omen being objective, measurable, evaluate, and nurture, that's your goal in running your business. And I think everybody can write that down. Yeah, omen, omen, omen. Objective, measurable, evaluate, and nurture. And I think it's really clear that like how the, the beauty of that thing is how simple it is. Everything in your business can be broken down in, in the day-to-day by omen. What's my objective? And I think it's like, while that might be simple, I mean, you and I had this conversation when we were prepping for one of our uh, leadership meetings. And I said, we're about to go down this road of teaching people how to storytell. What is the objective at the end of this? And I th- what was fascinating about asking that question to the leadership team was that everybody had a little bit different interpretation of objective. Yeah. And what's fascinating, it's, it's also like the beauty of people, is that by asking that simple question of what's the objective, I got feedback and four different ways. None of them were wrong. No. But if we didn't ask that question of what's the objective, the four of us would have been going down a different path. Right? So, like, I think there's power and clarity around the fact of, like, hey, we're, we're going down this goal of profit. What is the objective in profit? Well, I mean, you think about the just before you get there, you think about the objective, like your objective and my objective, you think of it as a roadmap. Could be different. Completely different. Well, more than likely going to be different. Yeah. Right? Profit. We understand the word profit, okay? Financial mm-hmm. profitability at the end. But how you decide to get there is completely different. How I might decide to get to just as based off of my experiences through life. Exactly. So when you think about going through Omen, there has to be an objective. And I would say yes. if you're working with a team, you need to flush that objective out. And because our knowledge, it sometimes can be our hindrance at times, you have to go out and actually ask the team, what's the objective and get the feedback from everybody. Because if you're the leader say, hey, we're going to go out and I believe that way is north. 
and I say we're going north, and I don't say let's clearly understand why we're going north and what is north, and let's clarify that objective. Yeah, you might agree with me. Let's go north, but you believe the objective of north is actually south. Collective buy-in on the objective. Yeah, right. It, we're we're in it versus it's your thing, and I'm in it to help you. And then once you get clear on the objective, then at least now everyone's talking the same language. They're all aligned. They understand. And now you can at least go from, you know, a group to somewhat of a team. Right? Yep. And then the next one is measurable. So when we say, like you'll hear this every so often, I want to have great culture or I want to have great referrals or I want to have a great event. Right. That's a good objective. Like, I understand it, like, conceptually, like, we always want to have great events, we want to have great experiences and great sales and all that. But if you don't measure it and put a scoreboard on it, your interpretation of the objective is different than mine, and we're going to have different timelines to get there. Because if you say the goal is 100 widgets, and I say the objective is, or I say, let's say the objective of, we want to have great profit. What is great profit? You might say it's it's 100,000. I might say it's 250,000. So once we get clearly the objective is profit, we then have to measure it in a way that's neutral, like a scoreboard, where there's, it's not up for interpretation. I, and I think diving into that, because a lot of times when you ask people, you get broad answers. Yep. And, and the hardest thing is you have to stop them and go, how do you measure that? How would how you know you achieved, achieved it? How would you know that you achieved it? And it changes their thinking because there's a feel-good yep. objective or goal. right? I want everybody to love me. Okay, that's awesome. And they should. But how, how do you measure that? Exactly. So that's where you have to really think down into it. Like, what is the number that we could say we did a great job? So when I say events and someone says, hey, I want to have a great, I don't know, holiday party. I go, great. So how many people need to be there? Well, and they start to think. And I go, well, think about it, right? Like, if you want a great holiday party, you want this location, you want this food at this time with these offerings of, you know, drinks and, you know, other, like, like stuff going on, like face painting and maybe photo booth and, you know, uh, a silent auction or a raffle or, or music. Like, there's all these things that you have in your vision, but if we don't measure them and put like real clear detail on it, you can't pass that to other people on the team and you can't actually clearly say, did we or did we not? Because that's actually the question. Did we right. accomplish a great event or did we not? So when I talk to people about events, they go, so how many people do you want there? Because inevitably you could have a great event, but if no one shows up, it has no impact. So really what defines a great event is how many people you get there, right? Yep. It's clear. You know, so as you look through your objectives, how do you, I know it can be tough. You kind of have to go through some rumbling and discussions and how would we know and what is the clear outcome? And, you know, my, my defining moment on my measurables is that here's my question. If everybody on this team, the measurable has to be that if we brought somebody from the outside of this team, with no explanation, could they clearly understand that we got to the goal or not? That's how I know that the measurable thing is actually defined correctly. Because the more you have to explain that you achieved your goal means it's not clear. That's simple. It's very simple, right? That like, is then, very simple. But you have to think. You have to think and sit down. Well, I, what I mean by that, what, what was the outcome? Right? And then what happens is... And nature, we like to overcomplicate things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we overcomplicate things and we think we're more intelligent than we really are. Right. Right. Um, Ego. So once you get your objective done and then you say, I know what my measurable is to say I reached my objective, then you have to evaluate stuff. So part of evaluation is like, what's my plan? Right. You have to think, what's my plan? I'm going to operate to do this. 
The other part of valuation is then actually evaluating your plan at key intervals. So when you think about evaluate is, okay, now I have to evaluate my plan. Put out your plan, go run the play. And then is it every week you check against your measurables? Is it every other week? Is it every month? Is it every quarter? You as the business owner have to figure out how much time do I have to have my plan marinate? Here's an example of that. When you make soup, you don't dump all the ingredients in at once, put it on boil and hope, hope to Lord that the thing tastes good. No, you're going to put in the water. You're going to put in maybe your potatoes and maybe the stock. And then you're going to boil it and then you're going to put some salt in and maybe put some other seasoning. And you're going to taste it. Okay, I like the broth of this. Now I'm going to dump in the meat bone. And you're going to taste that and say, oh, do I need to add more seasoning? Like when you're looking at a business play to get to an objective, you're, you're making soup. You have to let it marinate. You got to taste it. You got to stir it. You got to bring the temperature up, bring the temperature down. You got to figure out what's missing, right? That's what's happening in evaluation. Right. But you're also touching on something because you set an objective to make soup. Right? Yeah. You set your measurables. Okay, here's how we're going to create a great soup. But what you're recognizing while you're making that soup and while you're changing things, you realize that while you had a plan, and we'll go Mike Tyson here, you know, until you get punched in the mouth or you realize that something's amiss and wrong. Did you pause to address it? Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like my statement to everybody. I've never seen a budget that didn't make money, <laughs> right? Like, I've never seen a budget that didn't make money. Who the hell is going to put together a budget and say, oh, I can't wait to lose $100,000? Like, that doesn't happen. Right. But that's the piece around your in-the-business thing is that what's my objective? What is true north? How do I know that I'm there clearly? And then how do I make sure I've got a plan? And then how do I evaluate that plan as I'm doing it? Because... We can't, if you don't evaluate your active plan, you're going to wake up at January 1 to December 31st. You're going to wake up on December 31st and be like, wow, I was trying to head north, but I went south. Yeah. And you know, if we tie back into the concept of fix this nest, that's when those things start to arise. Yeah. Right. Because then you're recognizing here we are. You know, we set our goals in October, but here it is. It's August, September, tomorrow, right? Other people, but we set goals in October. What were you doing this year? that needed to be addressed or were you just on cruise control while well, we set the goal we got to hit it well things happen yeah right interest rates happen lack of inventory happens right bumps in the road happen right what did you do to address that mm-hmm. so you can hit your goals exactly and then once you go through that kind of like punching we'll call it like tumultuous journey of like here was my plan, and then I had to pivot my plan, and I had to shift my plan, and then I had to modulate it. Like, I had to do all these things, and then, okay, now my plan is getting these measurable outcomes. I say, yes, I'm trending upwards. Once you start getting trending upwards, the next piece, which is nurture, is then you have to replicate that play. You always have to evaluate it, but then you have to embrace the boringness of that. So if you know that your play is, I got to get up at this time and ride the bike for this long and then go work out. For Once you know what play is working, you have to embrace that play and keep running it. So every day, do the same thing. Like Actually, success is driven by our behaviors. So once you can actually address what play is right, how do you adopt it into your natural behaviors so that when you get up, you just naturally do the thing? Because it's the people that embrace boring and do the same thing over and over and over and over again that get to the greatness. You know, and it's interesting when you when you build up that roadmap to achieve those goals, and then you recognize the things that are missed that you need to work on and fix. Mm-hmm. 
you don't realize it, but at the time when those things surface, they may actually speed up the process. It may be a pause in the instantaneous moment of the now because I had a pause and address something. But you may find, and more than likely will find, that you've gotten there quicker because you addressed what was surfacing and started to bubble to the top. Yeah, like here's another one of my platitude breakings. It said you got to <laughs> slow down and speed up, right? There's another platitude for you. Yes. Um, but that's, that's what you're talking about. And I think most people fail to plan and then when they plan, they get the result, but then they get bored because you got to run the same play again. Well, I'll use a football analogy is that like when you've got a big, big ass organization, you got 11 people on a football field, you got to run that play day in, day out, three to four times a day for five different practices so that when you get to the game time, you've, you might only run that play twice, but you've practiced it 30 times. That's what we have to understand is that like when you've got multiple variables going on, you have a large team going on, you might understand the play in your head because you've ran through it, you've thought through it, you've executed all that kind of stuff. But how are you replicating the play day in and day out so all the other people that are involved in it can run the play and actually have it execute? Well, you know, I'll double down on the football analogy for you think about Lombardi, right? The power sweep. Yeah. You knew it was coming. You couldn't stop it. But you knew it was coming. And you want to talk about living in the boring? Living in the boring to success in Super Bowls. Yeah. Running left, running right. Running left, running right. Pulling the guard, trap, walk out, run around the end. And that's the thing to wrap up this omen idea is that if you're clear on your objective, you're clear on the measurable, you're clear on the play, and then you evaluate and pivot and change and evolve the play. Or just checked all the boxes right there. Yeah, there's a bunch of <laughs> buzzwords. And then you get to nurture. And I think the, the piece that... It's very, if you make your goals simple and easy and you do the first three, then it's just embrace the boring of the nurture. Because more often than not, people go, oh, I'm bored. I like new things, blah, blah, blah. That's your excuse as to why you're not successful. Mm -hmm. You would rather have energy and new and blah, 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 because the idea of having to embrace something that you have to repeat and repeat and repeat, even though it's going to derive your success, is not sexy. It's not instant gratification. It's boring. I don't like it. Well, if you don't like boring, you don't like success. Because success is little wins day in, day out, over time. And the reason that most people never get success is that it's the very few that are willing to get up every day and do the same thing over and over and over again to get to mastery. And it's those people that stay in well beyond where most people would quit to get the level of success. This is the Steph Curry example. Everyone likes the outcome of what he got when he hits his game hitting three or he drops like 23s in one game or whatever. He, he, I mean, he's raining stuff, right? Yep. And I'm not even a basketball fan. But like, he, like you got to respect that. you got to respect that mastery. And the reason behind that is he's shooting 10,000 free throws this, in John, you're, you're so spot on. And it's just where, as much as we love technology as leverage in the world that we're in, People don't get to see that. Yeah. Like, you'll, 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 you'll hear things about the Mamba mentality from Kobe or for Steph and the work. And you might see some video snippets. But the video snippets don't get as much watch as the game-winning shots hit. So when you look at the kids and the children of today or even the new business owners and entrepreneurs, they don't understand what it took to make that happen. Mm -hmm. They just want the result. They want that immediate gratification. They don't understand that they had to go through to get to that nurturing point where then it became instantaneous replay, living in the boring. I've done this shot from 38 feet out a thousand times. Mm -hmm. 
There's nobody in front of me. There isn't a crowd when I took the shot because I've done it over and over again. And it leads to this thought for everybody listening is like, you got a lot of people that complain about not getting results, but they don't ever address the fact that they never put in the work necessary to get the results. You can't complain about not getting something when you never actually embrace the suck of doing the thing you didn't want to do to get the result you want. Yeah. All right. Which pivots us into a different conversation. So we just talked about in the business. Like I firmly believe if you follow objective, measurable, evaluate the process and nurture the thing and just keep running that play because you know it's working, that would solve the majority of in the business problems. 100%. Because most people are like, is this it? Is this it? And it's a squirrel mentality. No. Pick your four objectives in the business. Run those plays. Execute and kill it. The rest of the stuff will figure it out or you don't even need to do it. So that rolls you into what's talked about on the business. And I think this is more a great way to kind of like transition towards the end of the podcast is that when you work on the business, most people want instant, you've actually brought up instant gratification is that people get lost in working in the business because you constantly get feedback about whether or not the thing works. Yeah. Right. So like if I'm making phone calls, I'm going to sit down and make phone calls, make phone calls, make phone calls is I'm going to get immediate feedback that I got somebody on the phone and either set an appointment or I didn't set an appointment. Or they say, oh no, I'm not going to make phone calls because I can't directly control whether or not they answer or whether or not they say yes. So I'm going to go work on Canva or I'm going to go figure out like some new app on my phone or I'm going to go figure out this other like CRM. But I didn't really use my other CRM, but somehow this new CRM I'm going to start using. I didn't actually change any behaviors, but the new trinket's going to fix it. But because I see the actual implications and outcome of my activities, I default to that, right? So then what ends up happening is no one actually works on their business. So they're constantly rowing and rowing and rowing, but no one's actually looking at the compass and looking at where the sunrise is and where the North Star is and where the currents are coming. So all of a sudden you keep digging and, or you keep rowing and rowing and rowing and you wanted to get to Antarctica, but you end up in like, I don't know, the West Indies because you didn't actually work on the business to say, where am I navigating towards? So when you look at um, on the business type of discussions, the book Fix This Next really buckets into four different things, which is you have a sales function in your business, you have a profit function in your business, you have an order function in your business, and you have an impact. And I thought it was brilliant to say this is that most people want to get into business to have an impact. I know I do because there's actually more to life than selling. I said I made $500 million in profit. Like, okay, are you going to put that in the casket with you? Like, no, <laughs> you're not. But like, okay, but for those of us that are in survive and they're trying to get to thrive, in survival mode, you worry about $500 million in profit. But once you get to a place where you're like, okay, I've got shelter, i got food, i got my basic needs met, you get into Maslow's hierarchy of needs and like you have you have a need of legacy and impact and people remembering you like that's what happens. Well, you need that goal to, to change your motive and motivation, right? Because yeah. at some point for some financial concern is no longer that driver. Correct. It's not the need anymore. Correct. Right. So as people talk about impact, you know, I, I believe not, and not to me, not to be callous, because you know, a lot of people are like, no, I, I do this because I love people and, and all that. Yeah, but if you don't have a margin, that business can only stay afloat for so long until you burn through your cash, and you can't impact anybody else's lives. Exactly. So when you think about you're working on the business, you really have four functions. How do I get sales coming in? How do I get profit? How do I get order? And then how do I get to impact? And let's be very clear, it's in that order. You don't get to jump to order. You don't get to jump to impact 
if you don't have sales coming in. Why can't you just hit the easy button there? Well, I mean, you know, you can you can be on Instagram, be an influencer, and see all these awesome cars and new founded things and that overnight success, and you can be inspired by that and realize that it's a facade and complete lie, right? Um, but you know, when I thought about those four buckets I'm working on the business, what I found interesting was you have to earn the right to move to the next phase of that business. You don't get to move to profit until you have sales coming in, which means what they're talking about is you can't invest other dollars into things like leverage or space. You literally have to get through sales because if you focus on expense management and all that kind of stuff and you let off the gas on sales, eventually you don't have any revenue streams going on. So you really have to make sure as an entrepreneur, because let's, here's the struggle for entrepreneurs. You have two capital classes that are restrained. Time capital and cash capital. Both of those as an entrepreneur are always going to be strained. So the entrepreneur has to be creative and resourceful to get around the restraints of capital and time. So in sales, the one thing you got to realize is throw all the things out the window. The only thing that matters as entrepreneurs, get your sales in. Once you have steady revenue stream, either from new sales or repeat business, you then have earned the right. It says, okay, we're averaging 10 sales a, a month. Whatever your break-even point is, you need to know what that is. And then you have to then say, how do I make sure that I'm going 50% above that? Because now you've, you've got consistent sales streams. You don't move into operations and expenses and investments or costs or anything like that until you know that your sales stream is locked. Then you can move into profit. Now the profit discussion then becomes expenses and PL and you know what's my return on investment if I hire somebody and is this the best building and where are some tax strategies I need to have and are there other like widgets I need as far as like applications or <coughs> technology the investment of your dollars because yeah at some point you have to spend money to make money but you don't have the right to talk about that until you know that your sales stream is actually tankered right. And then once you have consistent profit, now going back to like we use the soup analogy, like you got to give yourself a period of time. Like how long do the sales need to be structured until we focus into efficiencies? How long do you need to be in efficiencies and profitability until you get in the systems, which is order? So when you hear order, order has to do with like scalability systems, replicatable processes, right? Hiring other people, bringing other job functions. But if you don't have sales, you can't focus on order because you don't have the revenue coming in. And if you're not profitable, that means you don't have money to invest in the structure. So every time that you work on your business, you have to say, do I have sales? Do I have profit? Do I have order? Do I have impact? Once you have order, it means you have scalability. This is also when you talk about the four quadrants from Kiyosaki, employee, self-employed, business owner, investor, is that at any given time, you have to look at your business of sales, profit, order, and impact and say, based on the four quadrants of Kiyosaki, where am I at? You know, there's, when you look at the, how that all come, comes together, and you've seen successes on both sides of the ball of, of slow and steady growth yep. or incredible out-the-gate growth. But it really comes down to everything that we're kind of tying back here is I need more time to read and respond so that my blips are slower, but I can keep them in line or in check. But if I'm in a sprint and I'm throwing the seasonings in together, I'm hiring people and sales are coming and I'm reacting and 
There may be some mistakes, but how I respond to them and how quickly I respond to them, right? Yeah. That matters. So there's two different ways of getting there. Neither of them are wrong, but you have to be comfortable with it. But at the end of the day, you've got to be able to address those things before they become so out of alignment, so far out of whack that they're unrecoverable. Yeah. And I think that's the beauty of that simplicity of just going from sales to profit. You've added too much salt to that soup, you're in trouble. Yeah, exactly. Because you have to constantly be, that's where the on your business versus in your business is so important because, you know, life happens, the world happens, it's fast. Like you might think you're on order and then you work on order for three months and then you wake up and realize your sales function is completely crap. Now you got to go back to sales because you got to fix that thing because if you don't fix sales fast enough, you're not going to have profit, which means your profit can't drive your order. So I think it's got constant, like there is no, because our world is not static, we have a dynamic environment. You have to constantly reevaluate where is your business at in those four functions. And then you have to go back to the beginning if something changes, right? And within order, the whole idea behind order is the scalability that you get time back. But if you're not anchoring sales and not anchoring profit consistently, you don't earn the right to get to order. And when you get to order, it means that you've scaled it, you've brought in other people, you've created you know, economies of scale. And at that point, you have sustainability. And once you have sustainability with guaranteed like returns and guaranteed production and sales and all that other thing that the business creates, it means then you've got to a place where you can actually have impact. Because you've created scale, which means you have efficiencies, which means you're able to hire people means you're probably able to add benefits to it. It probably means you're able to give back now, right? Because you've gotten to a consistent margin that's re- replicatable and repeatable. You're actually in a better position to impact others now because you've stabilized the other three functions of the business. Now the business is actually positioned in a place that can have sustainable impact on those that are either employed, serviced by it, or other causes that you care about as an entrepreneur. Lauren, what a great topic for today. And, you know, I, and I look at the themes that we cover on a regular basis. And again, you know, having cascaded north of 70, 70 podcasts now, there's been commonality in the themes that we talk to and have talked to and the people that we've interviewed and talked to. Right? That falls into today's category of fixing this nest. You can never move on from one thing. You always have to readdress them. Right? So if you look at the themes that we cover and why we readdress and why we go back to them, because... We're not just looking at how we do things and how we present things and, and who's hearing us, but we want you to do the same thing in your business. Because what we said around this topic a couple of weeks ago or last week, you know, were you ready to hear it? Were you, did you recognize it in yourself? Now you're hearing it again from a different way. And that's how we're approaching these topics on a regular basis, saying we're never finished. You're never finished. And there's a time and a place that something needs to be fixed and fix this now. There we go. So until next time, our avid listeners of Entrepreneur <laughs> Impact, uh, Dave and Joe signed it out. Thanks for tuning in all. Thanks, everybody. Bye.